Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Enjoying the podcast? Let us know. Send a recording or written testimonial to podcast at cbeinternational.org of why Mutuality Matters matters to you, and we may feature you on an upcoming episode. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Intersectionality. I am your host, Reverend Dr. Angela Raven Anderson. In this segment, we explore how our understanding of God and who God is calling us to be is informed at that intersection of race, gender, and religion. We examine how the combination of liberation, womanist, and egalitarian theologies presents an understanding of God's kingdom that embraces, restores, uplifts, and transforms all who would enter therein. When we consider and learn from the wisdom gained in the lived experiences of women of color, our view of God's kingdom is stretched, contextualized, enriched, and expanded. So let's listen to their voices as they move us beyond the stained glass ceiling. Our guest on our show today is Michelle T. Sanchez. She is the Senior Discipleship and Evangelism Leader of the Evangelical Covenant Church a vibrant multi-ethnic denomination of more than 875 congregations. Michelle completed seminary degrees at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and spiritual direction training at Boston College. She is a conference speaker and was recently a keynote speaker at our CBE conference, and she is a columnist with Outreach Magazine. Michelle has enjoyed engaging with colorful cultures in over 30 countries and territories around the world. She and her husband, Mickey, live with their children in the Chicago area. Today, let's welcome Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hey, it's so good to be here with you. Yes, I'm so glad to see you again. The conference this summer was awesome. Yes, that was great and really enjoyed your presentation there. So I'm so delighted to have you be able to come and share with our listeners today. Thank one, you. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to, I just, you know, I, you, I remember as we were talking, uh, as you were giving your presentation that you shared a little bit about your background. So would you do that for, uh, for us today so our listeners can know a little bit about um, who Michelle Sanchez is? Yes. So um, I am the senior leader of discipleship and evangelism for the covenant denomination. Uh, but another aspect of who I am is that I am an African-American discipleship leader. My last name is Sanchez, uh, but I get that from my husband, Mickey of 20 years. He okay. is Colombian American. Okay. Um, but I have 
sort of a unique lens, I think, when it comes to the intersection of race and discipleship. I've thought quite a lot about these things. And I've thought about it for all ages, um, okay. because in my work, I oversee discipleship resources for adults, youth, and children. So um, yeah, so I think that's just a little bit about where I'm coming from okay. and uh, what I'm excited about. Well, one of the things that we are going to be focusing on is your most recent work that you've done, which is a book titled Color Courageous Discipleship, Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build the Beloved Community. I love this title. I have to tell you that. Um, I, I think oh, that it you. so encompasses uh, what discipleship should be about. So let me ask you, what what was kind of your impetus for writing um, this book? Oh, my goodness. So I would say that there have been many uh, prompts for me to write this book. But perhaps, like so many others, the death of George Floyd in 2020 really galvanized me um, in a way that it hadn't before. And maybe that's partly because the world shut down at the same time, right? And so I suddenly had space. And um, so I was observing. And what did I see? Did you know, the New York Times reported that in the summer of 2020, between 15 to 26 million people were demonstrating in racial justice protests across the United States. And so Amazing. it makes them the largest protests in US history which is unbelievable if you think about the civil rights movement and so many other times where we've had protests in our history. Right. Um, it's really a historic time. And so, you know, I'm, I was watching that just along with everyone else, but I'm also a discipleship leader. And so I started to wonder, okay, what does all this have to do with discipleship? Mm -hmm. So much of the, the systemic racism that we continue to experience is happening in a country where there actually are many professed Christians. Right. So what is going on with our discipleship that somehow we don't see the connections between discipleship and race? Uh, honestly, I started to realize I myself couldn't even mm -hmm. fully clearly articulate what are the connections between discipleship and race? Um, are there any connections, right? Many of us have thought about racism or dismantling racism as a justice matter, and it certainly is. But I think even more fundamentally, dismantling racism is a matter of discipleship. Mm -hmm. So as I began to explore the connections between discipleship and race, I realized there wasn't quite anything out there that dove into it in that specific way. I've read a lot of books about discipleship, a lot of books about race, but not so many about the internet intersection between the two. So basically I just started writing uh, during that season and I didn't stop. <laughs> and the result was Color Courageous Discipleship coming out in November. Yes. Yes. So, and, and tell me um, this, this idea of color courageous discipleship, what, what does that mean? Oh my goodness. So that was a word that, um, or a phrase that we came up with creatively. I, we didn't have that um, idea in the beginning, right. we meeting my publisher and myself. Uh, but as we were working together, I realized something, which is that actually 
the discipleship that we have received when it comes to race has often been colorblind. Mm. And there's nothing bad, you know, uh, in a sense with colorblindness, many people understand it to be a virtue. Of course, none of us want to be treated differently based on the color of our skin. And so obviously that is a wonderful thing. Uh, but the reality actually is that race still matters. I wish it did not matter, right. um, but whether we like it or not, it does. And so really uh, it requires a kind of courage to um, open our eyes and actually see color so we can also see the difference that color is still making. Right. Um, it requires us to, uh, or you know, your, to answer your question, color courage is discipleship. What it's about is choosing to courageously see color so that we can dismantle racism, pursue equity, and build beloved community. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And and it's interesting that you say um, it, it requires courage to do this, right? Um, it, it, is, it, it is much easier for us to um, put our blinders on and to just say, I love Jesus and I love everybody and that's it. And, and that's the extent of the level of um, engagement that I, I am willing to uh, pursue with respect to issues of race. That's right. The reality is that most of us prefer the status quo. Most mm -hmm. of us don't like to rock the boat, you know, just kind of want to get on with life. But the reality is that uh, the, the Lord calls the disciples not to um, comfortable discipleship, mm -hmm. but to courageous discipleship. Yeah, very true. Very true. Your book is very theologically grounded and, and practical both at the same time there um, you give a lot of scriptural support around the activities that you include in the book um, as well as some very uh, specific uh, steps that you can take along yes. this journey as you're going through this journey. Uh, why was that important to you? Well, I think that it is precisely the problem that we have not been theologically grounded and practical in our approach mm -hmm. when it comes to race. Okay. It's like one or the other has been lacking. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, my bent is in that theological groundedness. What is it that God has to say? What is it that the scriptures have to say um, about our racial struggles? And so it was very important to me to write to the everyday person, but with a theological richness that could be a foundation for them when it comes to race. So who, who would you really say is your target audience in this? Um, I know that I am at a congregation where I lead a social justice ministry, um, but this really is much more expansive. This is, this is not talking about a program necessarily right. that you would implement in, in, in your congregation. That's right. Well, the target audience, um, it is all disciples of Christ who hope to understand the clear connections between discipleship and race. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, it is a book about discipleship. It is for people who are passionate about following Jesus, who love to engage in 
you know, the, the spiritual practices of reading the scriptures of prayer of growing closer to God in their everyday life and who want a clear understanding of how pursuing anti-racism could be an expression of their discipleship to Christ could lead to a closer connection with God mm. could lead to, um, building beloved community. So that, that is really, um, what is unique about the book. Mm. It is a, uh, it's providing a spiritual foundation for disciples of all races to connect race and discipleship in their everyday life. Okay. Good, good. Well, one, and, and, you know, that's important because I think so often, um, when, particularly when we're doing the work of, um, um, of trying to move toward more equitable, uh, society to, like you said, build those beloved communities. Sometimes the responsibility is placed solely on, um, one shoulder, the, the shoulder of one race over the other. And I think the way that you present the, this idea of discipleship, this, this, uh, racially discipled, being racially discipled, I, I think that it really does bring together the idea that this is work for, for everyone. Yes. It's, it's for, it's, it's part of our uh, life as those who follow the way, you know, if, if, if we're, if we're, if we're going to be like Jesus, then these are the things that Jesus would be doing. And so this is what we all need to be doing. Um, how, how do you imagine, um, or how, how would you hope for, uh, this material to be put into practice, let's say for, for other congregations? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because I do, um, I am writing to leaders mm -hmm. and the pastors as well, who are seeking to disciple others. So I really had that group in mind. Again, remembering what I do every day is I, my job is to resource pastors and leaders okay. um, who are trying to disciple others. So uh, that is why, first of all, there's really three editions of this work. One is for adults, one's for youth, and then there's a picture book for kids. That's wow. so you can disciple your whole, you know, congregation or community yes. um, or whole family, whatever it may be. But also I am currently working on teaching outlines, PowerPoint slides, graphics, things that people can use yeah. to disciple other people, right? Awesome. And so my hope is that it would be um, used as a teaching resource. But of course, I know that it's much easier if there are supplemental materials <laughs> to help you do that. So I'm working hard on this to make sure they're ready for the launch. Well, I, I mean, I can tell you, even as I was reading through that, my mind was just going in all different directions about, oh, you could do this, this. And so I, I, that's great. I cannot wait to, to see the material, what that's going to look like. Yeah. Um, and, and then also, uh, do you personally, uh, lead, uh, classes or lead seminars on these, this topic? Oh, well, I lead many kinds of classes and seminars for my job on all kinds of topics. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, with the launch of this work, my assumption is that I will have many more opportunities mm -hmm. to do so. 
Um, so the answer to that is yes, I don't have like my own, um, ministry set up or anything like that, but, um, I definitely hope to get cast the vision widely. Yes, 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 yes. When, um, one of the things that I noticed is that in each of the chapters, there's an interview that you have Ah, with a leader. Yes. I love the interview questions. Okay. I I started just skipping to the end. So I can read (laughs) I love it. Oh, it's great to hear that you enjoyed them. I was very insistent on having interviews in the book. And so I wanted to ask you about that. What what kind of made you uh, move in that direction? I thought that was an, an, an interesting component to have to, um, to, the, to the book. That's right. Okay. Well, remember, I am a discipleship person. I'm constantly thinking about how can this uh, theological stuff become actually real to people? Mm. What does it look like? So again, what can I create to help pastors and leaders teach this? Or in this case, you know, it helps us to see a principle enfleshed in somebody else. It helps Mm. us to see another disciple living these principles out. And so it was very important to me to identify um, in many cases, people that are actually well-known for their anti-racism work, but not as many people know about their personal spiritual life, the practices that sustain them, the theology that grounds them. And so it was so enriching to go deeper uh, with a number of these leaders, and they've just got gems to share with us. They do. They are wonderful. They really are. And in in one of the chapters, um, you were, uh, well, and I guess kind of, there's, I don't want to give away too much, but, you know, you kind of have it divided into three components. Um, the the last component has to do with the spiritual practices. Yes. One that you mentioned had to do with lamenting and the, and the importance of lamenting. So uh, talk to me about how you pair that with the discipleship and then how that works toward this idea of uh, following Jesus and dismantling um, racism and, and, and building that beloved community, where, where does lament play in, in that? Okay. Very good. So first a word about spiritual practices. So here's the thing. Ultimately racism is a spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. And so it requires spiritual solutions. Yes. You could say and that. <laughs> <laughs> we've sort of, uh, overlooked that or ignored that. And I want to call our attention back to that. And we have at our disposal a variety of spiritual practices that we can use. Some of them, unfortunately, we have gotten out of practice with for whatever reason. Um, And so lament is an example of that. Um, Lament is essentially the process of bringing our pain before God and entrusting it to God. Mm -hmm. It's really what it's about, acknowledging our pain, bringing it to God and trusting it to God. And um, lament, uh, first of all, it's gotten out of practice because in our current culture, um, many evangelicals in particular prefer to avoid lament. You know, we prefer to go to church, um, just kind of praise Jesus, sing happy songs. um, And there's nothing wrong with that. But in many of our communities, we've lost um, what we see in the Psalms, which is that, you know, um, a large percentage 
In fact, the highest percentage of Psalms are actually Psalms of lament, bringing our pain, identifying it, bringing it before God so that we could grow, encounter God, be transformed, grow. Um, so we have sort of resisted lament, but the reality is when it comes to race, we're not going to make much progress unless we do lament. We need to lament personally. Um, how have we each contributed to the racial challenges that we face? And there's different ways, by the way, let me say this. I am a black woman, but in this book, I identify ways that I myself has, have sometimes perpetuated racial inequality. Uh, I won't say more about it for time's sake, but I have things to lament about as well, or even unforgiveness, mm -hmm. right? I could lament for the ways sometimes I have not forgiven others. So lament is good personally. We need to do that when it comes to race. It's also magic on a communal level. When we uh, basically weep with those who weep, Mm -hmm. um, and, ex and carry the, the burdens of others, it forges a loving connection yeah. between communities. And, um, you know, that kind of solidarity, deep solidarity is what right. we need to move forward in beloved community. Right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And you're right. When it does occur, right, um, collectively, communally, um, because we're called to be in community with one another. And so when you, and, and it's interesting because we talk about the one another's, you know, that we bear with one another and we bear one another's burdens and, and the forgiving of one another. And so um, I, I think that it was so time uh, uh, appropriate uh, to, to, to put that as part of the discipleship component uh, that we, that we bring that practice uh, into this space uh, again, looking both inward at, at the things that you, like you said, there are things that we do, um, sometimes knowingly, sometimes not knowingly, but where we perpetuate, right. um, our actions perpetuate goes what the, the, the injustices that, that go on. Um, I, I had a, another um, guest on, and she was talking about privilege, the the very fact that whether you're black or white, if you're at the table, that's a privilege. It and is. So then when, how are you using your privilege when you're at the table? Um, are you, are you welcoming somebody else in or are you being protective because you just don't want to get kicked out? You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, now I'm in, you know? And so let me tell you, uh, I just got to say, so what you're describing now is such an important part of my own personal journey. Mm -hmm. So I am African-American, but I grew up in a community that was pretty well resourced. My parents were able to raise us in a predominantly white community because of a special home purchase program. So I had a great education and, and many privileges. Um, mm -hmm. And I escaped a lot of the worst consequences of systemic racism. But as time has gone by, I realized I, I'm kind of an exception. Systemic racism still exists and impacts so many people. And what can I do, you know, to, to help uh, those who have not been as fortunate, have not been given as much privilege? I've got to, I've got to sacrifice and I've got to give. Right. Um, the Lord has blessed yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, I think it's, it's so interesting because uh, you talk about, uh, you know, the George Floyd incident being kind of one of those pivotal points. And I remember it was interesting to me 
um, as I was observing as well, because I remember thinking we've we've we, we've seen video before. This is this right. is the first time, and I I remember I was in seminary when uh, the incident with Philander Castile happened, and he's you know he's in the car, and then watching uh, Tamir Rice the video that video, but I do believe it was the. Uh, again, the collision point of that and the pandemic settling us down as being still and suddenly uh, all eyes were there and it gave time to really, for people to really reflect and ask questions about um, about what what is true, what is, what is, um, what, what is happening in our world, you know, what is reality, you know, I, Although I may not be experiencing it personally, does that mean that it, this is not happening or that this is not going on? And um, so I, when, when understanding this idea of color courageous discipleship, I really think that um, it, 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 it pushes us, motivates us, encourages us to even look, well, to look inward one, as you said, at the ways that we contribute or uh, perpetuate um, injustices, whatever they are, inequities. Um, but then also to look around to make sure that we are paying attention. Oh, yes. You know, it's so amazing when we think about the confluence of events that happened in 2020, because it was kind of like a nationwide spiritual practice happening at once. We Which all no had to slow down. Wide. It, it, I mean, it really, it yeah. kind of became in, in, in the George Floyd incident, I had never seen people across, you know, in, in, in all these other countries that were protesting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was amazing. It, it was definitely a God move. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. That. And my prayer is that it will continue to bear good fruit. The tragedy that occurred yes. would continue to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Yes, yes, yes. Well, this has been such a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Um, I know that our listeners are going to want to know how they can reach you. And although I have my copy, uh, <laughs> others can't get their copy just yet. But uh, let us uh, tell us how we can, how, when, when the book will be available and how they can get, get it and how we can uh, stay in contact with you. Yes. Okay. So you can find me and information about all the books at colorcourageous.com. <laughs> and they come out uh, November 1st. November I didn't already 1st. say that. November 1st is when all of the books come out. <laughs> oh, terrific. Terrific. And I love the fact that you have really kind of made this a multi-generational project um, because I think this is something that uh, we have the opportunity as we are training this next generation uh, to, to think differently about how we love each other, how we interact with each other and, and who it is that God is calling us to be. And in fact, that is usually the question that I close each segment with to my guest is based on your experiences in life. Um, and considering where we are right now, who is it and, and what is it that you believe that God is calling us to, to do or to be in the world right now? Oh my goodness. You know, I have just been reflecting so much on the word courage. I think that God is calling us to remember this is who I've called you to be. It is different from what the world says. I have called you to be like me. And that takes courage. 
And so I think he's calling us to step up, to step out into courage, courageous discipleship. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so very much. And to all of those who have joined today, I want to say thank you for joining and tuning in today. Also, uh, I want to encourage you to stay tuned for all the brand new episodes that will continue to be coming your way weekly as with uh, with all of our incredible team of co-hosts. And in the meantime, you can go to the show notes to learn how you can follow and support all of the members of our podcast family. And be sure to follow CBE on Facebook and Twitter. You should also go to our website at www.cbeinternational.org for even more content. Subscribe to our blog, our magazine, and the academic journal. You can even watch videos and listen to audio of past conferences and events. You can also go visit our bookstore where you can find a ton, and I mean a ton, of talented authors and subjects that will enrich your faith and equip you to use your God-given talents in leadership and service to the gospel for all, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or class. Well, I am Reverend Dr. Angela Raven Anderson, and I'd like to give a special shout out to Landon, who is our support tech, and the entire team of CBE International that makes this podcast possible. We are Mutuality Matters. Thanks for listening. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.